What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship Podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my brother and co-host Devin. Hey there, hello. And we are joined this evening by Patrick Reynolds, Reno Patrick on Instagram. Patrick, welcome man. Thank you, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite guys. Absolutely. All right, Devin, what do you got to start us off with this evening? If you're not practicing, someone else is somewhere and he'll be ready to take your job. I always said that when I broke in, I was an average player. I had an average arm, average speed, and definitely an average bat. I am still average in all of those. <laughs> now, if you couldn't guess, that's a baseball player. <laughs> um, okay. And that's uh that's that's Brooks Robinson. Oh nice. Um and uh yeah, he uh he passed away this last week. Um uh and, and we uh so Pat, I I work for the O's at um for the big screen. Okay. So I I've been there for a while and we've had a bunch of different obviously Brooks Robinson is like other than well, not other than it's like Brooks Robinson and then Cal Ripken, like those. You know, those are the two. The um, Orioles, yeah, yeah, Orioles players. Are you? Uh, well, you're a New York guy, so Mets or mm-hmm. Yankees? Mostly Mets. Um, I'm I'm really only into sports because my family is into it. My kids and my wife, and so we watch <laughs> we watch as a family. Yeah. Um, right. But I've been. I've been a maker my whole life before I knew what a maker was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was never really into sports. So, you know, lately I've been getting into it though. I'm, um, we do enjoy watching the Mets games and, you know, nice. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I've, if people are listening and they're not uh, baseball fans, the Orioles <clears throat> just had their first 100 win season since 1986. I think it was something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just made it into the postseason. Um, and yeah, so we're super pumped over here. Um, getting excited about postseason baseball and, uh, and yeah, so it's hard not to talk about it. Think about it right now. <laughs> but, yeah. like, New York is just the opposite. So yeah. our season's right. over. <laughs> right. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yan- Yankees and Boston at the bottom. I think that's the first ever since they made those divisions. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's a happy time here in Baltimore. Um, but I wanted to bring that up because I love that. Brooks Robinson, the hero, struggled to be average constantly, mm-hmm. and he was great at third base. His, he, I think he had sixteen Gold Gloves, That's something crazy. like that. Yeah, I mean, and he was in Baltimore for twenty three years, his whole career. I mean, that mm-hmm. just can't be done today because of the way baseball is. But it's it's amazing. But it's funny. A lot of his quotes are about how much he struggled doing everything except for that one thing defensively yeah Yeah. i think uh you know when you think about that as in in the light of a maker you know you're like always just trying to 
to do enough to make sure that what you do works. I mean, and, and from that maker mindset, you know, it's, it's the kind of design side of what I do personally, rather than the art side is like, it has to function in the end, it has to do its job. Mm-hmm. Right. So like making is like, you're doing something that's going to, that's going to do a job. It's the maker side of my mind is the, is the functional art side as opposed to just the visual art side. And I mean, in that mind, in my mindset as well, and I use this, this uh, kind of comparison often is that like when I was in college and I was, you know, painting and stuff, I would stretch a canvas. And before I ever did anything on the canvas before I ever painted on it, I really liked the object of the canvas, like the stretcher bars and the canvas really tight and the gesso. And it was like a drum and that object, I always really liked that. And then I would do the painting on it and that was like a different mindset, but there, it was always, it's trying to do the thing or make the thing so that way it does its job just right. Like it doesn't have to be the best thing you've ever done. It just has to do what it needs to do correctly. And I think that's where like Brooks's mindset was like, he was always striving to be average, to do his job like really well, or just to do it just exactly how he had to do it without making mistakes without, you know, like, yeah. 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 All right. So what's your, uh, Pat, Pat, what's your, your third base is the best thing you do and what's like your your batting average like electrician getting getting the electrics <laughs> right is your third base what's your not so great the sorry the audio was cutting out a little bit um so give that to me one more time so you're so saying what, the what's my yeah third base what what's your third base that's what, what do you think like electrician running like that's your 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 main thing that people know you for and then what's your lesser known thing um carpentry um i'm really Mm -hmm. i'm pretty adept at at carpentry and doing fine finish work and um being an electrician you need to know how houses are built Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know i used to do custom decks uh, on the north shore of long island and really high-end homes so i've always been doing carpentry work uh, and it kind of goes hand in hand with like the, mm. this project that I was just working on for two weeks, um, one of the things I do as an electrician in people's homes is the holes that I make, I patch, spackle, and paint before wow. I leave. And I don't know any electrician yep. that does that. <laughs> so those are, uh, those are add-ons that I do for people's houses that just provides that little extra value. But I don't know if I'm um, answering the question the way you posed it, but like you said, the electrician is... That's really my makering is, mm. but I, I I do all kinds of um, inventions and build things and weld things and I've been doing it my whole life. I only found this maker community about six years ago when I met Jimmy DeResta mm. and didn't know what a maker was. And, <laughs> but I was thrilled to finally meet people. What I say is like my tribe. I finally met my yeah. tribe and it's changed my life to, um, to be around all these people that are just so positive and so creative and, and helpful, always in contribution, you know, like it's amazing. The, the, right. I just heard somebody say it tonight, like I love coming here up for maker camp and they come up once a year. This is my every day up here. Mm. I'm in, I'm in Jimmy's world. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. in DeResteville. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty much I'm up here like three weeks out of the month if I can pull it off. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that's great. Um, um, yeah, does. I wanted to transition since it was a perfect time, Patrick, kind of talking about you know what you've 
do and how you've kind of gotten into this, uh, into this maker world. Now, I was trying to think of a way to introduce you and a way that like made sense to my understanding of what you do. And in my mind, you are like, I would say like the preeminent <laughs> maker enabler in the maker community. Like, I think yeah. that like every time I, not every time, but like a, a lot of the big things that I hear happening around the maker community in, especially in, you know, East Durham and with maker camp, your name is always there as like someone who helped to push someone to do something great at maker camp. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what I love doing. I really do. I love it's again. Um, I, I worked in construction for 40 years in New York City and, you know, doing similar type things, building big projects, working at the World Trade Center, you know, and mm -hmm. it was just so hard um, to get people motivated, to get people to do anything, to get two guys to work together. <laughs> um, it, just big, complicated projects. And then when I stumbled into this maker community by meeting Jimmy DiResta um, and I started, he introduced me to a couple other people. And I just, the whole community, they're so easy to get along with and they're, they're self-motivated. Um, yeah. And it's so, all I have to do is just be in the background and just lift a little bit, put a couple of lights up here, throw a couple outlets in over here and, and basically encourage people. That's what I love doing. Um, yeah. And I, I just, what I like to do is kind of fan the flames a little bit. Like everybody's got their candles burning and, and life gets tough, especially for people who are up to big things, people who take on big projects, people who get into a little over their head at times, which is, you know, exciting. But yeah. when you do, your candle tends to get blown out sometimes. So what I like to do is just kind of relight people's candles and, and maybe protect them a little bit, encourage them, get them going bright again. And then they go out there and they shine. And that's and then I stand back and when people like. You know when Justin is doing the uh, the timber framing. Yep. Um, that started as a an idea. He came to me in the middle of Maker Camp the first year, and he said, "Hey Pat, I, I was thinking about what if we build a timber frame structure and, and like everybody participates in it, and then we leave it here for the makers. You know, for Blackthorn. I'm like, great idea. You run it. I'll help you in the background. Mm. And now <laughs> that's turned into its own thing, where he's now traveling to Workbench Con and doing it there with. Um, with Chip and um, right. you know with Chris um, Giffro yeah. down in uh, Florida, mm -hmm. um, cow dog. Yeah, cow dog. Cow dog. Yeah, yeah. But it's turned into its own <laughs> thing, and it's and all it is is a conversation, and that's what I think Maker Camp is all about. I think people feel uh, like they're a part of it right from the beginning. As soon as they get there, they're like, "Wait a second, this feels like home." Mm -hmm. And then yep. and then everybody once they get comfortable, they're like, "Hey, what if next year I bring." Uh, we, we do some jewelry or we do some casting mm -hmm. or we do some leather work or sewing, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, great idea. You do it. <laughs> you run with it <laughs> and we'll help you in the background. So that's yeah. what I'm doing this week is I'm helping people in the background. I've, I've, you know, I bit off a lot, but I know it's going to all get done because again, makers love to help people pitch in. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's so easy now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I'm in the conversation yeah. <laughs> in the background somewhere. It's, it's great. Um, and this whole maker camp, that's how that started was just, it was a conversation between three of us, between Austin, uh, Jimmy and myself. And 
Austin had said, what yeah, if we... Yeah, see, that's the thing, like... Go ahead. Yeah, I was, he was just saying, I'd love to... He says, what if we do... Well, well Jimmy was doing classes here at the, at, the, at the barn, and we did, I don't know, a handful of classes, six classes or something like that. And, um, you know, Jimmy was putting people up at the house here, and that's a little nerve-wracking for him, um, <laughs> only because he loves to worry. And, yeah. you know, he's thinking something's going to flood, something's going <laughs> to whatever. So he loves to worry. But Austin was a part of it. And then um, Austin said, I'd like to do some classes at, at the Blackthorn. And Jimmy said, why don't you do that? And he goes, I'll, I'll help you grow them, promote them, market it the whole bit. And um, this way it took a load off of Jimmy by having it over there. Right. And we could still be a part of it. We could still, you know, but Austin would host it. And then Austin said... What if I had an event here? Would you guys help me run it and promote it? And because Austin said, I don't really have the money to travel and, you know, I can't leave the make, um, the Blackthorn. I'm always working. What if I did the event here and everybody came to see me? <laughs> and that's what this turned into. And, and the idea was, how do we, you know, there's these great maker communities all over the United States, Europe, all over the place. And, you know, like... Pittsburgh has a maker community and Cleveland has a maker community. And I said, let's get East Durham on the map mm. as mm. a respectable maker community. And I really feel like we're on the map now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. People are coming here from all over the world now. So it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. When, when Dustin first explained it to me, it seemed like some magical land up in the Catskills. Like, <laughs> it's like, very oh. hard to describe. <laughs> I was like, it's, it sounds awesome. It's one of those things. And he, Dustin first went up there for one of the timber ends because he couldn't get there the year before. And mm-hmm. this was before we both went, what, three years ago or two years ago? Right. And yeah, I was just like hungry for all the information. Dustin was like, yeah, I went up there and did this, this and that. And this was on the podcast. I was like, you got to give me some more details. Like, what's yeah. it like driving in? <laughs> Elaborate. Like, where do they work? Yeah. Like, who was there? Like, what did you, like, <laughs> I was like, I think, and that's, everyone does such a good job of promoting it, but it self-promotes itself. Like you said, everyone's in such a good mood and happy to be there. And there's so many people with different types of internet presence, big and small and large, and mm-hmm. it just spreads and everyone gets a good feeling of what it's like. And I think it has been put on the map and I think a lot of people want to be there and it's, it's worth going to. Yeah. Like I said, it, it really feels comfortable for people um, mm-hmm. when they first come here and, and they immediately feel like, Hey, either how can I help? Or I, I have people, I run a volunteer crew also at this thing. I have about 10, 12 people on a volunteer crew and we just kind of keep things in excellence. We don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting, but we just, if somebody looks like it's their first time here. Hey, go up to that person and say, can I help you? Do you? Are you settled? You know, do you need, you know, here's some cool stuff that's going on yeah. um, nice. and make them feel at home. And yeah. so basically just keep things in excellence. But I have a couple of people on my volunteer crew who've paid full freight to be a part of the maker camp and they still want to help. Yeah. So <laughs> usually I've run the maker, you know, the, uh, the volunteer crew for people who want to come, but are a little, you know, challenged or, or, you know, they don't, they can't afford, to fly here and book a hotel room. So I'm like, look, be on my, be on my crew and I'll help you get into this thing. So, uh, nice. but now I've got people volunteering <laughs> that are, they paid the full ticket and they still want to help because that's what makers do. They really, yeah. they're always in contribution. I, I really don't find any exceptions to that. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, and that's that's so true. I think like when you're there, everyone is kind of pitching and everyone's doing stuff and everyone's like watching and seeing and you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of obviously there's, there's tons of making going on all the time, but there's also just there's a lot of community things going on. You know, it's just like there's always opportunities to like join a conversation or help out at the timber frame or go to Mark Adams and get your picture taken. It's like very much there's these, it's like a community thing that's happening throughout the entire maker camp. And I think that's what makes it really inviting and makes people feel comfortable is because you feel like you're instantly part of that community. And you can certainly find your spot, right? Like if you, if you're more like of a blacksmith guy, there's a whole big, or girl, there's a whole big, blacksmith community up there uh, or the timber framing or you know jewelry or casting or welding or whatever this it's so hard to describe when people like well what is (laughs) (laughs) i start saying it's this and that i'm like it's not a cult i don't like it's not (laughs) we're not gonna make it at the end of the night don't worry i mean we might we might dance around a fire (laughs) you don't have to include yourself if you don't want to (laughs) (laughs) but it's so difficult to describe but that's Maker Camp itself, I I equate it, compared to the other events, I see it more as a reunion. Mm, It's kind of like a maker reunion for, for, um, you know, you make a family who you've met and then the ones you haven't met yet. Yeah. And and that's how I think most people feel. Um, And that's our, that's the vibe we want to put out anyway. We we always want this to be an intimate event. We're not really, when I say we, I, I feel like I can speak for Austin and, and right. Jimmy as well. We're not looking for this thing to turn into a 10,000 person event. Right. Right now, I mean, if we would probably keep it under a thousand right now this year, hopefully we might get like 800, um, which is, yeah. which is growing pretty nicely, but um, we don't want to worry about security and this and that. We want, we want basically maximum value for the people that come. Right. And then yeah. they, they go out there back into their own communities and they take this cool vibe and they share it with the people in their in their community. Yeah, I feel like under under a thousand people, it almost everyone can keep an eye on it. Not that you have to, but it can kind of police itself, and mm-hmm. and it can kind of work as its own little ecosystem. So, how do you what what happens? Because it will get more and more popular. What happens when you do hit the thousand mark? What how? Well, you then we it? would probably. And again, I I shouldn't speak for Austin on this, but um, yeah, it would it would get it might do a uh, a spring and fall event type of thing but we don't want to compete with we don't you know like it works very nicely we dovetail very nicely with WorkbenchCon, mm, right and yeah. we wouldn't want to compete with that but maybe we would do more classes during the year right or it might spread to other cities right mm. um but this has all been talked about but like austin really he likes to keep um he never wants to grow too fast. That's that's one thing that he's always keen on is I don't want to be bigger than what I can handle because he always wants to put that value out there and, and want to make sure he's delivering a quality product. Right. Yeah, I think that's key because I think what I the thing that I love about Maker Camp is is that intimate community feeling that you're feeling that like when you're walking around you recognize a lot of the faces. And that like not that I feel like it should be limited to a certain group of people but i but that's something that's that's really charming about it now and Mm -hmm. you know it may lose that if it gets too big but 
but that's also something you, I think you just have to deal with in the moment. Like when it gets to that point where it's starting to get too big, then you have to deal with how do you, how do you bring it back? But I think like you said, Austin doesn't want to like, he doesn't want to make it grow too fast, like push it faster when yeah. you can kind of let it build. And he's, slowly. and he's not because I, I had already asked him like, Hey, do you, you know, I'm, I know a lot of, uh, I got pretty decent network of, of business owners and different things up here in this area in East Durham and Wyndham, which is the, the, the town on the other side of the mountain from us, which is, it's a ski town. It's, it's got right. a lot more money over there. Kind of, we're a little bit more country over here. Right. Um, but I asked him, do you want me to go around and start promoting? I could start putting flyers and when he goes, no, I don't want this thing. <laughs> yeah. Too many tentacles going out. Yeah. He said, I want to keep it. I want to keep it manageable, but it's not that, uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it or alluded to it where it's a certain group of people it's certainly not exclusive in any way, shape, or form, and you know we we want this to be we want people to feel in, inclusive without making that a, um, a a goal or a focus. We it's it's grown organically, mm-hmm. and we want to just keep growing it organically. And I think right. people, when they're encouraged in the right way, the best of human nature comes out in people. Mm. Right. I, I that's think... that's my focus on this. I... As, as an old man, you know, that's <laughs> seriously, I'm, I'm kind of like one of the older, you know, people in the crew right. and my, my nickname is pop pop, you know, <laughs> oh. I'm not a big fan of that, but it is my nickname at this point. But, um, you know, like I've, I've been around the block and right. I've seen, I've seen, you know, I worked in construction for 40 years and heavy construction and, mm. and I've seen the not so nice side of people. And that's why I get so passionate and so excited about this maker community because this is what the world can be if we spread this around. It's just good vibes. It's it's encouraging people. It's bringing out people's talents. I, I tell people when they come here, like family members and friends and different things, I said, you have to understand every single person here is an expert at something. Right. And it's your job to go figure out what that is. Right. Go up what's, and talk to people and ask them, hey, what's your thing? Oh, you want to know my thing? <laughs> it's it's robotics. It's yeah, puppetry. Yeah. It's I, I put satellites up into outer space, like literally not me, but people that are coming. Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. They're lead they're lead engineers on satellite programs. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know that because the guy's got a beard and he's wearing a baseball cap like everybody else. <laughs> he's got five layers like everybody else. <laughs> he's yeah, right, standing around a fire, <laughs> drinking a beer, hanging that's, out. Yep. That's what you need is a good, really, really cold one. I mean, last year was cold at night as as oh, tent campers that we were. But you need a re- that that it needs to be twenty five the whole time, and that will <laughs> that will suppress the people coming back. It'll stay at where it's at now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the last year has, we did that pretty well. <laughs> again, organically, yeah, <laughs> Mother exactly. Nature's helping us out there. But that's another thing that makes Maker Camp unique. When you're at, you know, any of these other events, it's typically at a hotel. Yeah, yep. and you really don't know whether it's in Cleveland or wherever it is. You don't you don't really appreciate the city that you're in because you never leave the hotel. Um, and right. with yeah. with um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's convenient. Yeah, hotels. Your room is nearby. Everything's there. But with Maker Camp, you're in the Catskills. Mm. And the leaves are changing. Mm. And you're driving around and you're like, this is beautiful. And you feel yeah. it. You know, and if you get a nice dark sky night, you're seeing the, the stars and the planets. Like, you're in the Catskills. 
Right. You get yeah, that. you're in you're in upstate New York. You know, it feels like upstate New York. We were at we went down to Blade Show at Atlanta and say exactly what you're saying. We were just at a hotel the whole time, like, and then in, so you, it, it could be any city. It wouldn't matter. But when you're right. at yeah, when you're at Maker Camp, you like you feel like you're in the Catskills. You feel like you're in upstate New York. People are like, oh, you went up to New York upstate. Like, how was it? Like, oh, it was beautiful. I was in the mountains and it was cold at night and there was fires and there were you know. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to do this year, too, is, is we're going to have more fires, basically, like, um, nice. spread them out more so people can kind of wander from fire pit to fire pit and nice. go and meet people. And, you know, we're not going to do the make or burn this year yeah. Um, yeah. because it just takes up too much real estate. Yeah. And um, Austin wasn't thrilled that, like, after the burn, people just stood in silence watching this thing burn in a, in a gigantic circle. And... And then after it was done, he didn't see the people mingling the way he wants, right? So Sunday mm. night, we're going to do something more where he wants people striking up conversations and meeting new people. And so we want much more, you know, interaction. Right. And yeah. and, and because of that, now we, if we're not doing the makeup burn, now we have all that square footage that we can put more tents in there. And it, it looks so different this year. You're going to be, I was there today. Uh-huh. And it has more of a a fair, a festival feeling to it. And you're right. going to want to meander. You're going to walk around. You're going to stroll. And yes. and that's the feeling of it. This, that's what I felt anyway when I was over there. I'm like, oh, this is such a nice, it's such a uh, nicer layout, I think. Right yeah. on. D- Dustin's awesome. going to be stuck to this time a little bit more, you know, until night because he's doing, he's doing a bow thing. So... Pat, we need to f- facilitate two hay bales to dust so he can shoot stuff into. <laughs> oh the sure, bales. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got plenty of hay bales. Oh, coming. Did, did you? Yeah. Who, who, where oh, are you yeah. Hay bales from? So I, I talked to Austin. We got everything worked out. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I'll be doing. What's that going to be? Spill uh, the tea. So what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm doing bow making. I'm, I'm doing some demos on bow making. So I'll be doing oh, wow. two classes a day for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I, uh, Austin, I chatted, chatted with him last week. Um, he was trying to figure out a range where I could actually bring my bows so people could shoot the bows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of gone back and forth and like originally he was good with it and then he didn't have a good space and then he had a good solution, but then that didn't work out. So oh, wow. what he did is he had, he had a, uh, a 40 foot um, shipping container mm-hmm. dropped on the property and that's nice. going to be my range. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's he's unbelievable. Like, I can't, I can't believe like what Austin, like what, <laughs> the logistics of what he's handling it's crazy. Um, in the background. Like, that's, yeah. It's he perfect. blows me away. He blows me away. Like he's for it's, a young guy. He's got yeah. such a business sense and he's so calm and like he just handles it and that's his name yeah <laughs> his, right, last exactly. name, his last name is handle yeah <laughs> austin handle but um, so he, he a, just keeps a... coming up with ideas like these business ideas that he has and and, and how he's integrating all these the vendors uh he really surprises me yeah all the yeah, time he's... Yeah, I I think the same thing. Like just, you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm used to managing a classroom, but Mm -hmm. managing an entire festival and doing it as like smoothly as he does. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. What what a lot of people don't understand is that the maker camp thing is we have a nice event. It's big for us. It's big, right? If it's 800 people, it feels big, right? But three weeks ago, they just had Catskill Mountain Thunder. There probably was (laughs) 10,000 people there. Oh my Jeez, gosh, it's crazy. 
<laughs> 10,000 pirates. <laughs> yeah, right. It right. was like the Barbary Coast meets Easter. And um, they had, so Austin just came off of that. Yeah. And now, you know, full pedal to the metal at, at the Catskill Mountain Thunder. And then as soon as that cleans up and wraps up, now now it's like head down on uh, on Maker Camp. So yeah. it's, but this is like, he'll do all of this with a smile on his face. It's, um, right. he's very and, smart and, about it. And after that, anything else is going to seem like a, like a knitting festival. Yes. Like it's going to yeah. be easy. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, the other thing that's really cool is like his mom, Patty, she said, we love the makers because one of the things we laugh a lot. I'm like, I look forward to the belly laughing that, that yeah. when your stomach hurts so much from laughing, that's what maker camp is to me. <laughs> and so Patty was saying, she goes, we love, but, and one of the things we laugh about is the accommodations, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. yeah. you know, look, it's rustic and they don't try to sell it as anything more than that. It's, yep. it's a step above camping. But I'll tell you what, I've stayed there a bunch of times. The rooms are always clean. The, the beds are nice. The, I'm comfortable as anything in these rooms. They're just, they're older. That's all. But right. she's like, the one thing about the Maker Crew, we had every event we've had, this is our fifth year. She goes, we've never had one complaint from the Makers. <laughs> wow. Never one complaint. And think about that from a management standpoint. Yeah. Like, and the Makers, I laugh because everybody, anybody who's driving there has duct tape in their car. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So if you're in the t if you're in the shower and a tile falls off the wall, yeah. you just get out some duct tape and put it back up, and you let them know. You're like, yeah. oh, by the way, in uh, in room two twelve, <laughs> you got to fix yeah. the tile in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The sink, the the like the p trap was loose, so I tightened it for you. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, right. I do it every time. I keep receptacles in my car. Whatever. <laughs> What'd you do this year? I uh, helped do the timber frame bridge. I uh, tiled a wall in, uh, in the bathroom. Changed a few outlets. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but it's, so it's I, heaven to me. I'm, that place is, it's my happy place. I go to the Blackthorn yeah. and it's um, what that means to not only us, the maker community, what it means to the town up here. East Durham is a town that was in decline. Mm. You know, I've been coming up here literally. I'm in Jimmy's house right now, right? Mm, Doing yep. this podcast. My uncles owned this house for 40 years. Oh, no Damn. way. Yeah. I was a baby coming up to this house. I, I could <laughs> oh send God. you guys a picture. I'll show you at Maker Camp of me on a tractor. <laughs> I was a year and a half old. Uh, that's awesome. And so <laughs> talk about feeling at home, right? But I've been coming up to my heart is in this place. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And, and like there's something special about the Catskills. There's something special about East Durham. And, you know, the town went into the decline in the, in the late eighties, the nineties. And I watched it go from when I was a kid, all the, all the resorts up here were hopping. You know, mm -hmm. my, my, my parents would take us around and there'd be Irish music playing in the different bars. And the one thing about these Irish bars is, and, and the restaurants is the kids were allowed as long as you weren't annoying you were allowed to be in there and you'd see the live music and people dancing and everybody was having a great time. And then I watched the town go into decline. Mm -hmm. So it kind of broke my heart, but I've always had a house up here. My father always had a vacation home or a hunting, a hunting shack or whatever. And now I've had a vacation home up here. I share with my brothers for the last uh, 21, 22 years, something like that. And so it's, it's in my heart to see this place come back. 
Mm. And it's in Jimmy's heart and it's in Austin's heart. So that's really what Maker Camp was, was, you know, like, you know, Jimmy's been building his uh, buildings up here and his barns and his graveyards and his everything else he's got yeah, going right. on. <laughs> but, you know, and, and the whole way thinking, how am I going to do this, Pat? I don't, you know, I don't have any money. They want, they want, <laughs> this is way back. This is five years ago. He was, you know, we were building the barn and he's like, they want 20,000 for this. They want 40,000 for that. They want 12,000 for this. I'm like, Jimmy, remember when we were kids and a hundred dollars was all the money in the world? Mm-hmm. Like if you had a hundred dollars, you would sit in your room and count it over and over and over again. Right? <laughs> and now, now, you know, everybody's nut a month is multiple thousands, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I said, he's talking to me about where am I going to come up with all this money? He had the barn built. He had the, the structure, the big black barn. Yep. But it was going to be a ton of money to finish it. The heating system, the insulation, the siding, the windows on and on. Right. Right. And I said, I said, Jimmy, you know, remember when a hundred dollars was all the money in the world to us? I said, we just have to be clear that this is going to happen. Right. Right. And be crystal clear in the vision of what this is going to look like and what it's going to feel like when it's all complete. And, you know, short, you know, short in the story, they filmed a Netflix show there mm-hmm. a couple of years after that, after that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I said to Jimmy, I'm like, I can't wait till we're having a half a million dollar conversation. And we're like, where are we going to come up with a half a million dollars? But where are we, we going to put this spaceship? Yeah, but it, it stretched into, I said, Jimmy, we see all the time how whatever we think about, whatever we talk about, and we work towards it, it comes true, mm-hmm. you know, and different things in my life. And I said, how do we make this whole town come back? How do we make East Durham come back to be a viable town again? And that's where we're at now. So I just held the vision for East Durham as I don't know how to make a town come back. Right. But I said, <laughs> you know, all those little hotels that motels that are on the side of the road. When you're driving along the, the strip up here, 145, you'll see all these little, you know, strip motels. Yep. Not stripper motels, but strip motels. <laughs> <laughs> different and, motel. <laughs> you know, well, through the years, the, the signs were falling down and they were, you know, the, the neon broke and this and that, you know, they, they kind of fell into disrepair. I said, I'm just going to hold the vision that all of these signs are brand new again. They're fresh signs and they say no vacancy on it because everybody is booking rooms at the hotel. So yeah. when we were doing Maker Camp, I said, let's let's fill let's fill the Blackthorn and let's overflow into at least five, six, seven of these motels around here. Let's fill those and we'll start generating, you know, income and revenue and and all that. And so that was the vision in the beginning, had no idea how to do it. And, but we just kept talking about it and we kept stepping towards it. And, And now we're at that place where it's, it's bigger than all of us. This maker camp thing is there's so many cool th- like you doing the bow. I, I didn't know you were doing that. That's amazing. I can't wait to come and see that. Um, yeah. There's so many things that are going to be going on in this event that I don't know about. Austin doesn't know about and Jimmy doesn't know about. And we find <laughs> out about it later through conversations. We're like, holy cow, that's great. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you talk about like, you know, you, you 
grew up in the area, your uncle's on the house, um, and you've watched this, like, the kind of rise or, you know, a level of stuff from when you are a kid and then kind of dropping and come back up. How did you, and then you said earlier that you kind of got into the maker community and heard, you know, heard the term maker like six or seven years ago. How did that happen? Like, so okay. you've been up there, is it, was that when Jimmy moved up? Was that? Yeah. Like, so it's a pretty cool story. I was working at the World Trade okay. Center. So I was a project manager. We built out the first 25 floors at the Freedom Tower. Mm. Um, I was a senior electrical project manager for that, you know, huge project. And then I became a general foreman in the building when that project wrapped up. So I had an office there. I would lock myself in the office to get away from people. And I would put on YouTube videos and I would just watch YouTube videos of maker videos. But I didn't even know they were called maker videos. I would just like how to DIY, whatever you want to call it. Right. And right. one of them, you know, it came, Jimmy came up as a suggested video. So I click on it <laughs> and I'm watching him doing his typical, like the old videos that Jimmy would do. So it was when he had his workshop in the Lower East Side. Yep. And he would do, he didn't talk on them and anything he did repetitive, he would do fast. He would speed it up. You know, if he had to cut 20 pieces of wood, he wouldn't show you cutting 20 pieces of wood. He would speed it up. And yep. there's something, he was building a butcher block table, but he was using quarter inch thick strips of wood. And mm -hmm. he was more like laminating, but to create the butcher block uh, uh, appearance. Right. And and he was he made it out of like a one by four frame and a, and a plywood top, but it looked beautiful when he was done. And I'm watching him build this thing, and I'm like, I've been in construction for 40 years. I'm like, this guy's building it faster, cheaper, and better <laughs> than I can do it. So I became interested. I'm intrigued. So I watched the next video. I watched the next video. Next thing, I'm addicted to this guy's videos. <laughs> and I'm watching the videos, and I'm like, something is so familiar about this guy. I don't know what it is. And he's pulling into, the, he's pulling into this house. I couldn't get a clear view of the house. But I could see this big old white country house, and I'm like, that house looks familiar. I'm like, the roads look familiar. I'm like, the friggin' trees look familiar on the side of the road. <laughs> Little did I know, he lives five minutes down the road from me in upstate New York, and he's living in my uncle's house that I grew up in as a kid. So this is this guy, Jimmy DeResta. So I, I had worked with his father 10 years prior, and um, so my daughter used to do plays and I would build the sets for the plays. Mm -hmm. And it was my way of connecting with my daughter and just being a part of her world a little bit. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the plays, they had roped Joe DeRester and that's his father. Mm -hmm. They roped this old guy in to come and work with me and give me a hand. He was a carpenter mm -hmm. and he's giving me a hand doing this thing. And me and Joe are having a great time. Joe DeResta, uh is from Rockaway in New York, Rockaway, Queens. Mm. And he grew up with my mother. <laughs> so <laughs> he loved my mother. Like he would be like, your mother was the prettiest girl in PS 88 or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> they were in grade school together. So you're like, take it easy, old man. Yeah. I'm like, hey, whatever. <laughs> watch your mouth. <laughs> but he was so much fun. He, he tells great stories, Joe. He's, he's yeah. so entertaining. And we laughed the whole time. It was raining sideways as we were building this thing. We were both getting soaked. We were underneath a little pop-up tent that had holes in it. 
<laughs> and he's telling stories and the two of us had the best time. So 10 years later, I start watching these videos and I see Jimmy was looking at a, there's a, uh, there's a uh, auto repair shop up here that had, that's been abandoned for 50 years. Jimmy was looking at it to buy it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he he had to like break the window to crawl through the door to, to go and walk around. And say, <laughs> the guy told him he could, and he's crawling yeah. around. I'm like, oh my god! I said, I know where that building is. That's the it, gas station. <laughs> yeah, I know where that gas station is. It's it's ten minutes away from where from where he lives. I'm like, he's got to be up by me somewhere. So I I called his father. I'm like, hey Joe. I'm like, Duresta, Duresta, right? I said, it's got to be the same. It's he's got to at least know him. <laughs> I said, Joe, is your, do you have a son, Jimmy? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's doing YouTube videos. He's, I'm like, he's got a house upstate. He's doing great. It's a big old farmhouse. I'm like, Joe, your son, he's living my dream upstate New York. Can you introduce me? <laughs> and, and Joe's like, yeah, okay. So, so that's how I got introduced to Jimmy. But that's crazy. yeah, it was funny. When I, when I met Jimmy, I rolled up to his shop, the one that he has across from the go-kart track. Mm-hmm. And I went up there. I said, "Hey, you know, I'm Pat Reynolds. Your father introduced us." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You really, you know, like." He's like, "My father introduces me to a lot of people, but I actually had my mother was there with me, and my nephew. We we all came together to go say hi to Jimmy." Yeah. And um, he started talking to my mother, and they started telling stories about the house, the old country house. Yeah. And Jimmy was intrigued. He loves hearing the history of this house. This has been a boarding house in the 18, uh, no, in the 1700s. This, this house was oh, built in like cow. 1760. Mm. And then it was a boarding house in the 1800s before there was motels and hotels. Mm. People would just clip clop, clip clop with their horses down the road, horse and buggy, <laughs> yeah. you, know, ding, you know, ring the bell and be like, hey, do you have any room? Yeah. You know, you get breakfast Jeez. or whatever it was. It was called the idle hour. Was, oh, this, we have That's pictures awesome. of it. Yeah. And so that's how this place, so the history of this house is incredible. Like, I wish there was a register of who has stayed here, because my family, hundreds of people stayed here in my family. And then since Jimmy's owned it, people from all around the world have stayed here. <laughs> you know? And, and, it's, and it's become, um, you know, it's, it's just huge. And Jimmy's just done a great job keeping it He's kept the same charm in the house. He just keeps making it nicer. That's all. Yeah. Adding, you know, stone walls and horse barns, timber frame barns. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, it, you know, as you're talking about its past being, you know, a boarding house and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, like In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, that, that part of its story is done. But then as soon as you're like, well, you know, you guys had people staying there. Like, he and like you said, he's had tons of people stay there. You know, he's got all these rooms and like friends from all over. Like, and that that maker community, that YouTube community, is is like is you know, is a worldly community. You know, so it's like yeah. so cool. Well, we we laugh. The Milk Run is right next door. Have you guys heard of the Milk Run? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So we call it, I call it the world famous Milk Run. That's how I always yeah. tag it. And uh, because people <laughs> from all over the world have come to get a, a cheeseburger at the milk run or an ice cream cone, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's, it's putting, you know, East Durham is on the map now. That's, that's the only yeah. thing I can kind of describe it as. And I, I feel great about it. It's that's really come cool. a long way. And I, I have friends and family that I've had this conversation with through the years over the past, you know, five or six years. And they hadn't been up here for a while. 
and they just recently came up and they're like, Pat, I can't believe it. They're like, everything you talked about five years ago, it's happening. It's, <laughs> it's huge. It's, it's really happening. And I said, yeah, I don't know how it happened, but, and it's not just us. It's other people too that come up here and see the, um, see the potential for the place and they're investing big money in the area. It's really nice to see. Yeah, it's it's you have this. It's like uh, you didn't know it, but it's like in your bloodline to facilitate people in that town. <laughs> like <laughs> it really is, and it and it doesn't take much. Like it, if everybody just does what they're good at, um, mm. that's what I'm finding. Is like I'm I'm good at this. I I'm good at encouraging people. I didn't think that was a big deal. It turns out it is. <laughs> right. It turns yeah, out it makes a big difference we, in people's lives. Right, and we've had. Um, you know, we've had, uh, like, Justin Dietrich, we've had him on a couple of times, and he always, like, you know, talks about you. And we've had, we had Mark Adams on uh, last two weeks ago, and he's, like, it was, like, you and Austin and Jimmy, and we've had Luke and Priscilla Smith, and they're talking about you. And I was thinking back <laughs> from the first <laughs> the first year that we uh, that we were there, and the Maker Burn then was the, I think it was the T-Rex. Okay. I remember talking to you afterward and like just even that you were like, yeah, you know, we talked to me to this and this and you're just talking about how like your your knowledge of fire, like how to how to. Yes. Like, I was like, I walked past, I walked past the guys and like, I said, I said just nonchalantly, I'm like, oh, but like laughing. I said, by the way, you guys do know how to make a fire. Right. And they're like, do you? <laughs> I, said, yeah. I said, yeah, I'll help you out. I'm, I'm pretty good at stuff like that. Like but, my um, my great great grandfather burned a wood pile here, two hundred years ago. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, but you know, like a, a quick story about the just how makers, how you really don't have to do much heavy lifting with these guys. We were doing the timber frame structure, the first one, the pavilion uh, we did for Aaron. Yeah. We dedicated yeah. mm-hmm. it to Aaron, and there was like an eighteen foot long, twelve by twelve timber. Who knows how much this thing weighs, but it was heavy. And the guy's like, Pat, can you get us a couple of ladders? We're going to lift that main, the ridge beam up to the top of this thing mm-hmm. yep. on uneven ground. And <laughs> I, I come over with, with two ladders tied to my quad. And I got an eight-foot ladder and a six-foot aluminum ladder. And they're going to lift an 18-foot beam. You know, it, it had to be 12 feet in the air. Yeah, and it's twelve by twelve. Like I said, I don't know what this thing weighs. Got to be five hundred pounds. And I said, you guys are gonna kill yourself, right? <laughs> I said, I have I have scaffolding, that steel staging they call it. It's like you know that the masonry guys use. I got it over my house, ten minutes away. So Austin's like, I'll send a flatbed over. I'll send two guys. A couple of the other timber frame guys jumped in my truck. We drove over to my house, and then you know, up the mountain, and then we got to my house, and then we had to drive down to the pond, which was about a 1,000 feet back from the house, four-wheel drive in my truck all the way down there. We got the, the steel scaffolding and plywood, and we get back up to the house. Now those guys in the flatbed left, and oh, they're ahead of me. So I'm following behind in my truck. I said, I'm going to stop for a cup of coffee. Let me just grab a cup of coffee at Angel's or whatever in there in East Durham, and... And then I head right back. So I stopped for five minutes, maybe 10. By the time I got back to Maker Camp, the steel uh, scaffolding was set up. 
<laughs> the timbers were on top, the plywood was on top, and there was three or four guys standing on top of that with the ridge beam already on their shoulders, <laughs> putting it into place. By the time I stopped for coffee, this was all done. Yeah. So when people say, Pat, oh, you, you're helping here and you're helping there, I'm like, I don't have to do anything. Like, I, I don't really do much. I'm like, I string a couple of lights up. I, you know, I, I, yeah. I do some, I'm building some shave horses. That's a little bit of work today. I'm building three <laughs> shave horses for uh, for Tracy and Katrina yeah. Uh, yeah. at Bastion Head on, uh, on Instagram. But he asked yeah. me, because those guys come out from Kansas City and they load up, yeah. they load up, they're, they're already going to, they th they're throwing sparks all the way from Kansas City with how much stuff they got <laughs> in their minivan. And I'm like, dude, I, and those guys are actually the start of all of this. They they had a class at Jimmy's called Obey the Grain. And that's oh, when Jimmy's yeah, yeah. Jimmy's Black Barn had nothing in it. We had two extension cords running 300 feet feeding Jimmy's Barn. We could only put like four lights on because if we put any more than that, they would all drop out. Too much voltage drop. So we had two extension cords running 300 feet. And Obey the Grain was the first class we had. That's when I met Justin Dietrich. Mm, yep. And that's when I met Tracy and Katrina and a, a handful of other people. And that's when we all started. That's crazy. Yeah. That does not yeah. seem like that long ago. Cause I, I remember like, I've been watching same thing. I've been watching Jimmy for years, like back was in, in the, the Brooklyn, you know, um, shop and just kind of always following along. And then, you know, he was, then he was spending more time at, you know, up in East Durham. And then I watched him and, um, uh, stump Kyle Stumpin horse like to build the barn like that's crazy it does not man time time flies when you're having fun yeah. you know like <laughs> well that's another thing Kyle um, RR Buildings on Instagram yep. at RR yep. Buildings um, that building he built it's it's the first time he ever worked out of Illinois he oh, didn't wow. want to take on job yeah he does Central Illinois and he does huge mm. um, you know post and beam barns and. Like I said, I'm in construction for 40 years. Of course, anybody who's in construction, anybody who's a maker, anybody who's into any type of construction, we're always eyeballing, right? You yeah. you go along the side and you're like, is that plumb? Is that level? <laughs> Do all these beams die at the same spot? I crawled through every inch of that building. It is perfect. Nice. And, and it's as big and beautiful as that building is, that's the smallest project mm. that Kyle worked on. <laughs> um, and but two guys they knocked that out in two weeks that's wild the whole building uh, the rough siding they didn't do the finished siding and then they did the tin roof on top I'm like a ton of work working for the first time I laugh a little bit though have you ever seen uh, Kyle's videos when he drills all of his holes for the posts oh yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, he's out there in Illinois it's, it's sand or it's dirt or it's soil I don't know what it is <laughs> But wherever he puts that auger bit, it just goes straight down. It's the <laughs> up here. All we have is rock. It's rock and boulders and a little bit of dirt. <laughs> so I'm laughing. The first time he must have put that auger bit in the ground, and it wound up three feet over from where he started. <laughs> oh man, go <laughs> next to a boulder. <laughs> Believe me, I've done it. I've rented those machines, and I'm like, all we have is rock and boulders up here. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was that was wild. I didn't realize that was the first grant. Like, I guess for some reason I thought that like maybe his the classes were the blacksmithing classes in the like the blacksmithing shop or what? Because I think that 
I remember talking to Justin and I think that he maybe, I mean, I think that he went up to more than one class. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's wild. Like that's, and I actually saw, I was looking back through some of your Instagram posts and I saw you post about that, like more recently about like how, you know, that was not that long ago, but it, you know, it feels like a lot of stuff happened then and started. It was then. the start of it. Yeah, it really was. And, um, it's not lost on me and you know, the yeah. same thing I, I think about it all the time. Like I'm so proud of Justin, with what he's done with the timber framing mm. because he brought his his passion yeah to maker camp and and then he stepped up into a leadership position and and chip i give him a lot of credit too because chip is his right hand man mm. um and those guys just run it and the one thing like i said i've, I've been in construction i've done i've run big projects i've run you know 50-man crews or whatever but i never seen anybody handle a leadership position as calmly as mm. Justin. Mm. Yeah. And he makes you, you know, relax and want to work and, yeah. and just comfortable and like not stressed out that you're going to screw something up. He's like, All right, if you screw something up, we'll fix it. If you really screw it up, we'll throw it out and we'll start over. Right. <laughs> and if I need to say but, something loudly, I'll get Chip to do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. our first, that was our first big introduction was, jumping in on that first timber frame structure and we i also think the crews are great because everyone's kind of maker minded and everyone wants to help and do something like yeah. we we mm -hmm. don't want to stand around it might feel awkward and some people do but everyone else is encouraging like hey come come grab this with me or or trim this or flatten this like but it was such a good we had such a good time getting i'm, I'm blown going. away by it like i every yeah. time and i've been to a bunch of those i don't want to miss any of the classes that happen or any of the yeah. any of the ins they call them the timber ins the uh, mm. the hammer ins mm -hmm. um but the but the timber ins especially you know these are complicated joinery um yeah joints that that have to happen and that's the cool thing you don't have two people or four people working on them. you have 40 people right and then in the end it all comes together and that was the idea of of justin's um you know vision in the beginning was like that community that it creates by doing that. But what blows me away is when it starts and there's all different levels of complication in the joinery. There's simple rafters and then there's really intense pieces that have a lot of uh, mortises in them um, or tenons or whatever and or both. And then guys just, they kind of, they they settle it and and girls too right we got a couple of girls that that like to come to this thing and they just find you know guys will be like that looks pretty cool I, I, you want to help me and then two guys just pair up and they just go to it nobody has to assign anybody it all happens organically and that's the whole key i keep it's that word over and over and over again with with maker camp it happens organically and it's because you're celebrating people yeah right you're not it's the difference between management and leadership mm -hmm. right management you get behind people and you push leadership you get out in front and you lead and people just they want to follow they want to help they want to be a part of it because it looks exciting and that's the feeling that i get from maker campus like people like what is this this is cool i want to be a part of it i want to add my talent to whatever you're doing and that's how this thing keeps growing yeah, I think that's a good that's a good um, kind of explanation of 
of what happens at maker camp there's a lot of there's a lot of leaders around who are showing who are leading the way for other people to do stuff with them um because that's that's i think that's the one thing that is different between that and some other events like this is that when you go there are some places right of course with like safety factors and things where people are doing stuff but almost everyone there who's who's quote unquote presenting is just like check this out let me answer some questions maybe try this do it with me you know like how can i enable you to to try it and do it on your own or let me show you a few tricks that way when you get home you'll be really juiced and excited to try it on your own i think that's the thing everyone there is everyone there is leading and people want to follow along and they're encouraged to follow along like come try this do this check this out like look how like i i was just excited to go to like patty brooklyn and and sew a bag as i was to you know go to the blacksmith and work with like luke and priscilla and making a lily or heading over to like the timber frame structure last year and working on the bridge with all those guys like there it's just so much fun everyone feels like they are yeah they're super pumped about what they're doing and they're like happy to show you and they're like aren't you going to be just as excited and everyone is yeah they're <laughs> kind the word is kind yeah. mm-hmm. and they're really sweet people like everybody you just mentioned there like patty brooklyn she's such a important part of what we do like i love watching patty mingle she's like a butterfly she goes from (laughs) and she doesn't do it on purpose it's just her natural way and she'll she'll come to the timber ends and there's 40 guys there and she might be the only woman in that thing last time we had maybe about four women there and none of the women there are thinking I'm the only woman here or us women have to stick together anything like that it's it's more like we're just makers every single one of us mm-hmm. and we all support each other but Patty will literally talk to every single person at the event <laughs> and and I laugh I stand back and I watch and I smile and I'm like there she is again she's talking to this one and she's talking to that one <laughs> but she'll find time and again it's all very natural and She'll find time because she just loves doing that. She loves, you know, talking to people and learning from people. And um, it's, I can't say enough about this whole community. It's, it's changed my life. Like Jimmy, I met Jimmy. He wound up being like, you know, a very big part of the, the whole maker movement. Um, but <clears throat> Jimmy has opened the door for me and introduced me to these people who are my family now. This mm-hmm. is... You know, when I see pictures of people online, like Rob does this thing, Rob Rojas, Mm -hmm. where he does a selfie. And again, he didn't really do it on purpose. He just, it was fun for him in the beginning. And he would take a selfie. He'd go to WorkbenchCon. Hey, take a quick selfie with me. And he'd take a selfie. And he's in the same position in the picture every single time. And then he'll make a reel with 100 people with him (laughs) taking the picture. And I'm like, that was such a great idea. Because that's Rob's way of getting out of his own comfort zone and his own box and meeting people. Now people want to be a part of that whole selfie thing, right? <laughs> but yeah. it all happens. It all happened very naturally and, and organically. Yeah. Um, but when it, when I see those reels and I see in a split second, a hundred people's faces going by, I'm like, I love all these people. And I only met them three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Mm. But they're such an important part of my life now. And that's what I'm thrilled about. And again, I'm 60 years old. I'll be 61 in a month. 
And I'm so happy for the people that are finding this in their 20s and in their 30s and in their 40s, whatever, um, to have that community. I didn't have that my whole life. I wandered around. I'm like, what happened? Where, who dropped me off on this planet? And when are they coming back to get me? Because I don't belong here. I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, it seemed, it seemed that there was, it's a bunch of like small guilds and groups of older guys that there'd only be like, 50 dudes or 100 dudes and then that was like that for the state <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like there's a Maryland group here there's a Pennsylvania there's a New York group and they'd have like a newsletter and maybe like probably the same 50 guys read it right but there were all these people wandering around like you said like where's my people like we didn't, <laughs> and the internet is terrible in a lot of things but that connecting that type of thing is, is it's, uh, it's so great. funny like while you say that I just texted Rob I'm like, can I get another beer? Nice. <laughs> so he came, the two guys that are in the kitchen came in. They they handed me a beer. They were like nodding as they, like they were serving me. And they, they put it in a beer cozy and then oh, handed man, it to me and then quietly walked back out. I'm like, this is the maker community, man. This is who I'm, this is where I belong now, you know? Yeah, who dropped me off on this planet? <laughs> and it, it took me 55 years to find my tribe. Uh, but awesome. I found them, and that's yeah. why I that's why I lean so hard into this, and I'm so passionate about this community because I really feel like with all the chaos and all the confusion in the world, this is something that works, mm, right? And we have people. You talk about inclusion. We have people from all walks of life that come through mm-hmm. our doors, and everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. And the kids are welcome and old people are welcome. And, you know, we want, and, and the men and the women, it's not even a thing. Like Tamara Robertson, mm-hmm. she explained it one time to me, like she just called it the wolf pack. Mm-hmm. And I love that analogy because that's what it is. Like if you're getting your ass kicked by a wolf, you don't stop to check if it's a woman or a, a female or a male wolf. You don't care. Right. You're just getting yeah. you're just getting chased or your ass kicked by a wolf, and that's what we all are. We all are, you know, powerful, capable, talented, kind people. Right. And and community minded. Everybody that I come across, they all come in contribution. If they don't know what to do, they pick up a rake or a broom or something and they, they clean up, they sweep up. I love it because that used to be me all the time having to do all that work. And now I turn around, like even cook it. I love to feed people. I love I love to run the music. That's really what I do in the background. I run the music and I, I like to have food for people. Nice. And so we had the last event that we had. I, I forget which, which one it was, but uh, it, it was probably the Timber Inn or something like that. And we had like 30 people at night and me and Rob started cooking kielbasa and whatever I did, I had to stop for a second or go get something else or find a utensil or something. But while this stuff was grilling and buns were cooking and kielbasa was going, like I stepped away for five minutes, two guys stepped in and just started keeping it going. (laughs) And I came back and it was effortless. It's, you know, like, it's just the stride doesn't get broken because nobody needs to be told. Mm -hmm. They were were probably eyeing you the whole time, making sure you did it right. Well, they were helping anyway, (laughs) but, like, as soon as I stepped out of it, 
a couple of people stepped in and yeah that's I always say that's like the best the best people to work with are people who who know who are expecting your next move right when you're working with somebody yes. you want to like if you're looking for the hammer you turn and look over your shoulder <laughs> and they're holding the mm-hmm. hammer and giving it mm-hmm. to you because they knew you needed it well, who told you that you, because my yeah, father right. used to tell me that when I was a kid he's like he goes, Patty, you saw me do the same thing three times in a row. You, you have to know what my next move is. You right, have to anticipate exactly. that. Yeah. But the one thing my father always, he always, you know, he always would stress on, on me is, he goes, be in contribution. Mm-hmm. And his thing was like, he grew up in Rockaway also where, where my mother and Joe DeResta were from. And my father was kind of, I wouldn't say happy-go-lucky, but my father was always happy. He was always he was always show up to an event, a bar, a party, whatever, and he was he had a smile on his face. He'd be, you know, not back slapping. He wasn't that kind of a guy. He was legitimately happy. And he didn't like the people that would come to a party and sit back and complain. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Like right. if you don't like the music, get up and change the record. Right? <laughs> back in the day, people were playing records. Right. Uh, yeah. if there's a bar set up, if there's a table with some booze on it and some beer, Get behind it and start handing out drinks. Mm-hmm. And now, if nothing else, everybody knows your name because you're the guy who's just handing them a drink. Get the music going. Get people dancing. Be in contribution. And if you don't know what to do, sweep up. Do, <laughs> yep. do something. Do something. Change the garbage. I don't care. doesn't matter. Just help. Right? <laughs> but I find that the makers do that naturally. Every single one of them that I see. Right. And that's what I love. I'm like, I'm surrounded by people that just want to help. And and they, they all want to bring their natural talents to bear. And all I have to do is just get in the back and just cheer people on with my pom-poms. <laughs> that sounds, sign me up for that gig. <laughs> exactly. Like that's like I said, preeminent maker enabler. <laughs> you're just like you're every time I like turn around you're cheering someone else on and someone else is saying, Oh yeah, I was thinking about doing this and then Patrick like he got me the table that I needed or he like he just encouraged me to do this thing. I was like, Man, that's that's like that's the guy that's the guy that I wanna be. You know, like I wanna be yeah, that well, like it's, just it's so easy it's so easy i mean all it is it's just about it's caring for people it's really it's being kind it's love you know like that's that's what's really underneath all of this there's a Mm -hmm. genuine love that you feel when you're at this event Mm -hmm. and what you see people you'll see when you come to this event people the smile is from ear to ear when they see each other and you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's a reunion. It's a love fest. Yeah. yeah, when we when we got to Maker Camp last year, we got there on Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to like uh-huh. I, we set up at, you know where the campsites are, and then I was walking from there over to the timber framed bridge, just like walking from one side to the other. And this is only what maybe two hundred yards. Mm-hmm. It took like an hour and a half just to walk yeah. across, <laughs> just because I like bumped every ten feet. It was bumping into someone yeah. else, and I was like, hey, you know, like just people that you're so excited to see you gotta put blinders on (laughs) to get from point a to point b like sorry i can't talk right now (laughs) i talked to like 15 people and every every like five minutes i'd be like all right i'm i gotta go over here i want to check in with justin and then i'd make it another 20 feet and talk to another person (laughs) like it's beautiful it's beautiful and like what i picture i'm like you guys have all flown and you've seen the magazine that's in the back of the seat i mean they used to have them i don't know if they still have them Mm -hmm. but in the back of the airplane magazines they had the routes that the the airlines would fly mm-hmm. yep. and so you would see cities right and you'd see new york and you'd see all the 
different cities that converge into New York and you'd see Cleveland, all the different hubs, right? Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that's the feeling that I get with Maker Camp is right now people are packing, they're loading up their car, they're checking their airline tickets, they're getting ready to converge on East Durham mm-hmm. from all over the world. People are coming from England, from Sweden, from Canada, all over the United States. And they're converging on this little town in upstate New York for this love fest, for this maker thing, <laughs> for this, yeah. you know, this, this vibe that we're all, all right. going to be in for three days, four days. And it's funny this year, you know, Thursday night now is a big night yeah. because these are all the people that didn't want to miss out. And then last year they're like, they found out that Thursday night was an awesome party and they're like, shit, I'm coming a day early. You know, and then people are like, I'm coming two days early. I'm staying a day later. Um, But all these people on that, that are converging from all over the different points of the world, they're going to take this vibe. They're going to take this feeling, this energy, and they're going to go back out into the world and they're going to spread it around Mm. and they're going to spread it out into their communities and they're going to, they're going to grow whatever this thing is. They're going to help however they can, wherever they are. And we're going to be there to support them in whatever way they need it. Mm, and awesome. we, just keep, we just keep growing this thing. Yeah, I love the idea. I don't know if we talked about it last week or a couple of weeks before of when you're lucky enough to get a good idea float into your head, try to get it done. Like if you're thinking this is a good idea try to at least tell someone right away mm-hmm. to get it like it's like get it down on paper i'm constantly like <laughs> writing to dustin like what if we did this what if we had a video that did this um and it's worked out many more times i mean we the, the channel happened because i was thinking dustin's always doing this stuff and i need to stretch my like my video muscles so i i, I want to shoot something and i'm just going to go shoot what dustin's doing um and then it became a thing and all that that came from i was uh dating a girl and every every like sweet idea i had i just didn't do mm-hmm. it'd be like oh those flowers are nice or oh what if we like what if i just took her to this thing what if i did this and i just kept not doing it mm-hmm. and then now my current wife <laughs> i i took the change i get every little good thing i think oh that'd be nice if i did that I stopped going, uh, maybe later. You mm-hmm. just, once you're lucky enough to get that lightning bolt, mm-hmm. just do it. And yeah. then, uh, that, yeah, you, ju- you, you just, you decided to start a thing and you just kept going, yeah, what if we did this? What if we did that? And then just keep saying yes, yes. to the inspirations that kind of float into your brain and through the, through the cosmos. I say I'm a yes man. Right. Like if you ask me in, in the in the best way, in the most positive way, I'm a yes man. If you ask me, can we do something? I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when I worked at the World Trade Center, these were kind of high stakes. You know, like Mercedes Benz would come in and rent a room for $100,000 for the night. Mm-hmm. But they, they'd ask me, can we do this? And I'm like, yes. They're like, what? I'm like, yes. They're like, you're the first person who's told us yes. Since we've been here, I'm like, we can do anything you want to do. 
It's yeah. going to cost a little money. Right. I'm going to have to bring in a crew. We're going to have to work on overtime. They're like, we don't care about that. I'm like, mm-hmm. then we can do anything you want. I'm a yes man. Mm-hmm. So you worked on the um, the world, the new World Trade Center on a certain amount of floors and just covered all that for any anything that came in? So, yeah. So I got a job as a project manager, an electrical project manager for a guy that I was an apprentice with and, you know, 30 years later or whatever, we met on the train and he said to me, he goes, I got this project and uh, I was a project manager at the time. I was working for JPMC. I was I was running the Midtown campus on Park Avenue and like 47th Street. That's where they're building this gigantic building now. That's where I was a project manager, but I wasn't making a lot of money and they were working me to death and I, I hated the job. And it was just a stress fest and I wasn't making any money. And this is my buddy that I was a, an apprentice with. And he's like, hey, we just landed this job at the World Trade Center, but we don't have a project manager. He goes, I'm kind of screwed. I'm like, I'll do it. He goes, you will? Yes. <laughs> he said, yeah. And so he eventually got me over there. And, you know, my salary doubled in that opportunity. And I took on the job. It was 25 floors at the at the World Trade Center. It was the first build out. It was for the anchor tenant, Condé Nast. They took the first floors from 20 up to 45. It was a $250 million project. Mm-hmm. And it had to be done in 14 months. Mm. And it was insane. I slept two hours a night. I dry heaved every morning brushing my teeth. My wife was like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, I just got to keep going. I got to keep going. And I got to do this. That job eventually finished. And, you know, just to give you a little scale on the job, the lighting fixtures on that job, there was 14,000 light fixtures oh, that got installed. Just taking them in, just organizing the deliveries for that. <laughs> That's just the lighting fixtures. Mm-hmm. Insane, insane. Mm-hmm. So like when that project ended, then I took on um, the, uh, they, they needed a, a maintenance, we took on the maintenance contract for Condi mm-hmm. and it's not just changing. It was changing ballasts and things like that. But then they would be like, Pat, we got we got 100 people coming in from this other um, site that we're closing down. We want to move those people into our, our World Trade Center facility. We need power and data for 100 people. Can you give me an estimate for that and make it happen in two weeks? So that's the kind of work that I did. I would do mm. move in and people like that. And so that, that turned into... The ma- I was the general foreman for the maintenance contract for Condi, taking care of 25 floors. Mm. But then I morphed that into, I grew that into, I had four foremen and 50 men working for me and women, you know, around the clock, 24-7. Mm. Building just, projects of a one world trade, four world trade, and seven world trade. How many, buildings, was, how many buildings are there now? How many new buildings did they put in? Uh, so there's one world trade. Two World Trade didn't get built. Um, they have three World Trade, four World Trade. Seven World Trade is a new building. Mm. That went up. Um, and that's about it. And then there's a couple of hotels and different things. But uh, it's it's a beautiful, you know, then you have the Oculus. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I did, I did projects over there. So that, that, that maintenance contract, I turned that into, from the maintenance job into, it was a multi-million dollar contract. Mm. Um, you know that was going twenty four seven, and I had, like I said, I had fifty men work and women working for me. Yeah. 
it, around the clock. So that was, I had my office. That's when I started watching Jimmy's videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how I met this whole maker, maker crew. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful area now. I went to school on, in Union Square, 14th Street. I went to film school there mm. and uh, lived in Brooklyn. And at the time, it was, you know, it was just the giant hole. And that whole area, you know, it's just, it was so, Yeah. I mean, it was not, not depressing, you know, it's just sobering. And you're like, man, yeah. I can't wait until there's something beautiful here uh, again. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I loved uh, it. I, I took pictures every day. I'll, I'll share, again, I'll share a couple of pictures with you guys when, uh, when I see Maker Camp of, yeah. I used to go outside, especially on a clear day when they had white puffy clouds. Yeah. All the, all the <laughs> glass buildings down there, the reflections mm-hmm are gorgeous so i have i have pictures that'll that'll blow your mind of um just how gorgeous that is but like the the it took 10 years because underneath there's there's 10 subways that tie into that whole area right Right. so everybody's like what's taking so long what's taking so long how do you tie 10 subways together right right Right? and then tie it into the world financial center which is under the west side highway like that all had to be coordinated um, it's it was a tremendous project, but the Oculus is my favorite. That's it's cool. Yeah. I watched that whole thing come together from, you know, all the ribs that go out on the mm-hmm. Oculus. Mm-hmm. It looks like a whalebone, people call mm-hmm. it or whatever. So every single one of those, I watched every. I have a picture of every single one of those ribs getting added, <laughs> and those guys, you know, the the welders and the the crane operators, mm-hmm. the iron workers, they work round the clock 24 7 just welding that stuff up it was incredible to watch the architect on that is uh santiago calatrava Mm. and uh, again it's this thing of you know he had the vision for that and it was probably a a back of a napkin sketch and said here's what i want to build here's here's this thing it's it's kind of like a whalebone it's an eye it's an oculus um and then he gave it to his team and he said, here, build this, you know, flesh this out for me. And I remember when that was, so before any of those spires got added to it, any of those ribs, mm-hmm. I, I was in the World Trade Center and, you know, like a house mouse, I would I would crawl, you know, go through all these back alleys and this and that. There was like scaffolding and there was plywood doors and I'm like, oh, what's wow. through here? What's through here? And I found myself in the, I weaved my way all the way through to the inside the Oculus. Oh, jeez. <laughs> when there was still two big cranes going up through the middle of it. Mm, the man. rain is coming down. The sparks are coming down from all the work that was still going on in there. I'm like, what is this? It was like Star Trek meets, <laughs> you know, Star Wars yeah, meets right. I don't know what it, like cathedral the Flintstones yeah, <laughs> yeah right. it was incredible mm. and I was like what is this but to me that's what New York should be mm. right it's the pinnacle of what New York should be right because I commuted through Penn Station for 40 years and it's a yeah. it was a rat hole yeah and that's how we felt commuting through we felt like rats going through mm. that and mm. that's not what New York should be because right. I love New York and I, I have this deep, deep love for New York and the history of New York and the people of New York, right. New York City. And, and the reason why is because New York is not, New York is a world capital. 
Mm-hmm. Right? When you come, as you're, if you're a tourist and you come to New York, New York loves the tourists. Mm-hmm. Just don't stop at the top of the subway <laughs> to have a conversation with your friends. <laughs> yeah, right. Because people got to go to work. <laughs> move <Get> over. <laughs> move over. <laughs> you know, go up to the top of the stairs and move over a little bit. Um, but New York is very... Um, you know, they, they love the tourists because we realize the tourists are a part of the whole scene. Mm-hmm. And people get that. After you're there for a day or two, you realize, hey, wait a second, everybody else here is a tourist too. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm not, I don't have to clutch my bag so tight. Like now it's a little rough in there, but, you know, for years and years when I worked in there, I'm like, New York was the coolest place. And it was just, it was all about the people. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's so busy that I was never worried going going to school there. And people would be like, "Ooh, like from home, from around Maryland and Baltimore, going to New York City, you're gonna be all right." I'm like, "We're from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, go down right. there. There's you go down after eight o'clock. There's no one out. Yeah. So that I'm not afraid of a lot of people. I'm afraid of no people. <laughs> Me too. A, Me a too. dark I'm, street. You know, because like, the the opposite <laughs> is like if you if you got jammed up, New York City. You know, if you believe that people are good. So New York City is a reflection, right? It's it's an energy center. And mm-hmm. if you think people are assholes, then if you go to New York City, all you're going to meet is assholes. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you think. Mm-hmm. If you think people are cool, then you're going to meet millions of cool people in New York City. Because there's also a lot of cool people in New York City. And yeah. so it's it's really you. And it's going to reflect back whatever energy you're putting out. You go onto the subway and you have a grimace on your face. You're going to see people grimacing back. If you smile, you're going to see people smiling back at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that's just people. Yeah. And it I'm kind so, of works. It works in any city, but New York especially. Yeah. Right. I'm so glad I got to go there before everyone had smartphones. And like people still, I mean, the subway, I, I guess it probably it has Wi-Fi now, doesn't it? Right. Internet. Mm-hmm. Like back, yeah, back when we were in school, we not not only you didn't have a really a great phone to watch anything on anyway, but there was no Wi-Fi, so you would just talk and sit and talk to people. You know, I mean, you keep your head down, but or you'd read a book, but everyone was quiet. I cannot imagine like the noise on the subway now. Yeah, people taking calls and watching videos loud. Like that's that's got to be a little annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you one thing to describe New York was when we had the blackout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You know, there was a blackout that happened from Canada down to Georgia. It was the whole East Coast. It was after 9-11, after a couple of years after 9-11. And some woman described it. She said, um, so New York City, they didn't really riot. They might have been the outer boroughs or whatever. There might have been some problems. But in New York City itself, what happened was all the people that lived in these vertical neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. right, in the buildings their refrigerators were off. So they had beer, they had wine, they had food, whatever. <laughs> they came down to the streets and parties broke out everywhere. Right. <laughs> People set up tables, they brought down candles, they brought down the food, the beer. And nine months later, there was a lot of babies born. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right? But one woman described it, I heard it, and I'm like, this is my New York. This is what she described. She said, it's like somebody went to the public library, the New York public library, and they took all the books and they shook all the characters out of the books <laughs> Man, that's out onto awesome. the streets. Yeah. And I'm like, God. that's New York. We didn't riot. Yes. We didn't break windows. 
right? We had parties right. all through. Can you imagine the parties that must have broken out? Like people got to meet their neighbors <laughs> because everybody right. lives in these vertical, right. you know, neighborhoods. And they came down to the streets and they all these cool people met each other. Hmm. And that's what they did. And that's what makes me so proud of uh, New York on top of the whole the 9-11 thing and all that stuff. Like, right. Um, I'm proud of that city. It's It's got history. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. And I was proud to be a part of that, you know, the, the, the part that I played in the, the rebuilding of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll say <laughs> going to film school there. Every student film that was sent home from there, everyone, like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> because talk about production value. You have New York City. So whatever stupid student film you had, it looked great because your background was New York City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so it's we were, in. It, it's it was in. so great yeah. to make any little film there because, like, all right, we'll go to uh, Central Park or we'll we'll go to Brooklyn and look look at the skyline from here and... Oh man, it was. We all had our spots, but it yeah. was so much fun. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's tough, but it's not cruel. You know, you're right. Like you said, like you said, keep keep moving. You know, don't 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 stop and bother people. But I, I heard it, it said one time, like New Yorkers are kind, but they're not nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You get it, right? <laughs> yep. And yep. and like one time, I I had. I mean, this happened to me. I was probably 19 years old. I got a flat tire in on 42nd street by the mm. port authority mm. in a rough part of town yeah and it was a slice in the tire on a sunday and this guy is like i'm trying to park into this thing so i could change my tire this guy came over and he was a foreigner and he's like um i'm trying to change the tire <clears throat> and i had the wrong tire i had a spare but the rim wouldn't fit <laughs> and so it was like an old GM car and it was like the old GM and the new GM type of thing and this guy brings over a spare he's like here try this I'm like ah no nah, it's not that's the same one I have it's not gonna work brings over another spare try this one I'm like nah shit I said I gotta get it he brings over a third one I'm like how many tires you have in the car <laughs> he had three spares in his truck that he brought over he goes, oh, believe me, this happened to me before. He goes, I keep extras in my thing. Oh so my I said, no, I, I, I said, I said, look, I'm jammed up. Can you help me? Can you, um, can you give me a ride to go get my my tire changed? He goes, no, I can't. I have to go to work. But here, take my car. This is on Forty Second <laughs> Street, and like Ninth Avenue by the Port Authority. He goes, here, take my car, and it was an old Chevy. I'm like, I wasn't gonna say no. But I'm like, here, let me give you some money, something. He goes, nope, I just want to help you. Yeah. Jeez. And this is in the middle of New York City. This guy gave me his car. Mm. And I said, okay, I'll take it. I said, I mean, this guy's either using me and this thing's going to blow up and I'm driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> or he's just a nice guy. And in, in five, ten minutes, I had my tire changed. I came back. I brought the, I put like, five dollars in the visor because that's all I had on me I was a 19 year old kid and then I brought the keys inside where the guy worked and I said this is what's his name's car I said and I parked his car across the street (laughs) but this is I've been helped by people in New York you kind of mentioned that before you're like I don't want to be in a city where there's no people Mm -hmm. right if you believe in the goodness of people New York 
something that has in a city of eight million people, something that has a one in a million chance happens eight times a day there. Mm. Jeez, yeah, mm-hmm. man, what that's dag? That's that's a mind blower right there. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you if you focus on that, you can manifest that every day in New York City. Like if you just keep thinking people are cool, imagine what your day would be like every day mm-hmm. in New York City. But you can do that anywhere, right? It can be, yep. you can manifest that any day. And it's just like believing in people, and that's that's where we're at. I mean, this is a crazy world, but. Look at all the good stuff that we have around us. Yep. And what I've been focusing on lately, I'll just share this with you. It's very personal, but um, for me, I'm breaking through um, like a worthiness, right? Mm. And I've been just focusing on worthiness, that I'm, I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm mm. important, I'm, I matter. Mm. And so I appreciate when you tell me that I'm in people's conversations, mm. right? That matters mm. to me. And... Mm. The thing that I'm focused on is infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to make it happen, but infinite possibilities. I'm living in a world where everything nature does is infinite, right? right. Um, leaves of you know leaves on trees, blades of grass, sands you know on a beach. Everything nature does is in infinite um, abundance. And I just keep focusing on it. And cool stuff keeps showing up. And this is me my whole life struggling against scarcity and lack and mm-hmm. and not feeling worthy. And I'm breaking through that. And I'm, I'm sharing that with you guys now because, again, it's just an old guy sharing it with younger guys. Yeah. And it's so simple and it's so easy and it's really just all about just being being kind, being good to people, and 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 having fun. Life does not have to be chopping concrete, right? And that's what I thought it was. And so, mm. so what showed up for me? A lot of concrete to chop, mm-hmm. literally, <laughs> literally, yeah, right. with a lot of nasty people. Mm. And I'm like, now I'm just surrounded by good people, kind people. And now these are people that. So I'm I'm working real hard at this. Uh, make a camp to you know prepping for it and preparing for it but I'm doing it for people that love me mm-hmm. I'm doing it for people that appreciate me mm-hmm. so it's not work right it's so satisfying and it's so rewarding and and um, and, and you know it just keeps you know, blossoming into into more and more things you know and, and yeah. I'm at that stage now I'm like I said I'm in the legacy stage. I want to leave a legacy. And I don't care if anybody remembers my name. Right. I don't care if anybody knows who Rayno Patrick is. But I want them to feel, I want them to sit under the shade of that tree. Mm. And and just appreciate the tree. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I'm at. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good analogy. You know, like that's why when when I started, when I was thinking about, you know, I need we wanted to get one more guest before Maker Camp that was like, you know, had a big part in Maker Camp, um, and I'll tell you, I, I reached out to Justin and he mm-hmm. was getting ready for Maker Camp, so he couldn't do it, <laughs> and I reached I reached out to Patty and she was getting ready for Maker Camp, so she couldn't do it, yeah, and then when I reached out to you, you're like, well, I'll be up there. And I'd be happy to do it. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's perfect. You know, because it was like, there were, there were like a few people. I'm like, 
they're people that are always like a part of what's happening there and they have been there in the past and they're going to be there in the future. And I want to have that voice. And then it was like everyone that I was talking to had the same like similarity and it was, it was your name, you know, it was like, (laughs) everyone was like Patrick Reynolds has, has helped me put, you know, to do something that has been here. So. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys. Like I can't do this either. I'm like, I am so, I'm so mad. In fact, I'm going to, when we, when we finish this, I'm going back out to the barn and I'm going to finish the shave horses that I started today. But something told me that this was important. Yeah. And I wanted to make it happen. And I appreciated the invite that you guys gave me. And, um, you know, I was kind of honored by that, but, um, I knew it was important and I knew, I knew we should do this. Yeah. So I made time for it, but and, and, you know, as I was sitting here trying to load the Chrome and it wasn't working <laughs> and I'm like doing this and doing that, I had to call my son and I'm like the three things that I tried that didn't work. <laughs> I did it with my son and it did work. I'm like, Eddie, I'm like, I just did the same thing we just did and it didn't work three times. But so I was, I was ready to bail at some point, but I'm like, no, 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 I got to stick in this and, uh, yeah. And keep going, and it's it's been fun for me. It's been it's and, been great. And don't let Dustin let you think that you were the third choice. In our, in our, <laughs> no, we actually, had, we had a we had a. Hey, short, I'm in good company. If you mentioned <laughs> if you mentioned Justin and Patty Brooklyn, yeah. I'm in good company. Yeah. No, we had a short but long list of people who we like. All right, these are the important people, and we just like we I, we all we kind of rattled out a list real quick, Dustin and I. Yeah. And you you were right in the middle of it, and then we're just so glad you could come on, um, share with us, share the love of New York. I was thinking as you were saying it before we wrap it up, like I think just being a New Yorker, that 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 openness to something around the corner. That's got to be bred into you by being in New York, because every time you think like, "Ah, eh, this isn't working out," you just turn the corner and there's fifty tall buildings full of different experiences, and you're constantly seeing crazy different stuff. So you are in the brain and mindset of anything can happen, right? It's in New York, only in New yep. York. So mm-hmm. you, it's what a what a great city to help instill that in. Well, I'll share one thing with you because this has been on my mind as we're talking. It's kind of in the back of my mind. But like one time I was coming across town in New York and I was like, I was walking. So like when you're coming across town in New York, there's no public transportation, Mm -hmm. right? You can go up and down Manhattan, but it's very hard to come across town. Yeah, there's like two subways, the whole thing. Yeah, unless you're catching a bus or, or something like that. Right. And it was a misty day. And as I'm walking across, I turn the corner. It was a misty night, and I look up, and they had uh, the Empire State Building lit up in red mm-hmm. on a misty night. And it looked like a woman wearing a red dress with, <laughs> with the Empire State Building in the Art Deco style that it is. Right. And I remember turning the corner, and I looked up, and there was the... Empire State Building in its full glory on a misty night, lit up in red, glowing. And it took my breath away. Literally, right. I, it caught my breath. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I took pictures of it. I don't know where it is, but hopefully I have it. But it doesn't matter. You can imagine yeah. the vision of that. And like to me, that is the possibility. Like you said, every 
every turn in New York City, mm-hmm. um, it's just infinite possibilities. That's mm. that's New York, and that's what we're creating up here. Right, right. You just brought that along with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've had lots of awesome stories about things that have worked out really well and we love to ask our guests disaster stories uh those who are listening know that we come to this point in the podcast but you know we love to hear it from our guests because like i say Devin and i started this podcast the very first one we talked about things that went wrong because we're always putting stuff out there in the world and show social media and and you're always showing the like outcome of this great thing but you know like the community at maker camp everyone's everyone's like a normal person and everyone makes mm-hmm. mistakes so do you have a good do you have a disaster story to share with us and to the uh, listeners yeah i mean i got a lot of disaster stories and and like (laughs) i love i love that part of life uh i got these ribs there's you know saguaro cactus i i grew up in arizona arizona and so one of my good buddies lives out there and he had a saguaro cactus in his backyard one of these Couple of hundred year old sore cactus, mm. and yep. they have the rib cage. I don't know if you under, you know, if you see how they're built, but when they die, they have like this um, cool, you know, rib cage of wood. It's oh, wow. it's literally yeah, ribs of wood that support this because those cactus get to weigh like twelve thousand pounds. Right, they're yeah. huge, and um, so I got a couple of those ribs, and then he sent me out a couple more that was smaller. So I made some nice walking sticks out of the ribs. I, I scraped them down, uh, sanded them, and then I shellacked them with some uh, total boat. Yeah. <laughs> Little shameless uh, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> plug. But anyway, um, um, they came out beautiful. I wrapped them with leather and hung some feathers off of them and all this. made some really cool walking sticks. But the other walking sticks... That I tried to make, I, they were smaller, and I said, let me steam them, because I'd never tried this before. Let me try to steam them, put them in a steamer. I didn't have anything to steam them with. I didn't want to build a box, so I had a piece of four-inch PVC conduit. <laughs> Jimmy had a steamer, so I hooked up the steamer to it, and he's like, make sure you do this, and make sure you do that. Like, he's, he, you know, I was texting him, and he's like, do this, make sure you drill a weep hole, and then collect the water. I did everything wrong. And then as I was steaming the wood, the pipe got steamed and started sagging. <laughs> and so now now the the ribs, the cactus ribs, were sitting in the water instead of the steam. And then I took them out, and I'm like, I don't know if they're pliable enough, but they're starting to move. And then I wanted to braid them. I wanted to, like, connect oh, them at wow. one end and then turn yeah. them into a braid. Yeah. And they sort of kind of came out, but, like, as I was doing it, they cracked, and then I'm like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Now I gotta glue them, and do I let them dry, and all of this. So, but like, that's the that's the failing as a maker, <laughs> and the learning, and right, yeah, you know. But it's I've seen it over and over again. Like we learn best as humans when we fail, mm-hmm. and the important right. thing is to celebrate failure. Like if nothing else, do it with your maker friends. Yeah. If you screw something up royally, call somebody who will appreciate that and celebrate. <laughs> Say, dude, I just want right. to I want to celebrate this with you. And let's <laughs> let's let's crack a beer or something like that and be like, 
I just screwed something up so big, but here's what I learned, you know? Right, yep. And I feel, yeah, exactly. I feel like that's where all the learning comes from. It's like, if everything goes great, you know, roller coasters are not a lot of fun if they're just all uphill or all downhill. <laughs> mm. Yep. They're yeah. a whole lot more fun when it's a lot of whoops and yeah. <laughs> whoops and yeah, daisies. And, you know, that's a great thing. Yeah, makers makers love to learn, right? That's what we, we're like. We're just in in like constantly wanting to bring in information because we want to have that that like encyclopedia of how to do this thing, how to move forward. And a, a success will will give you you know you'll learn about that a few things that were successful, but a, a failure, you learn about so many more things, right? You, you know, <laughs> right. now that like PVC at that certain temperature is going to sag, right? You know that yeah. like, yeah, you got to have it. You don't want it to hit the water because the water is going to do something different than the steam. And you also know that like, and now the wood at a certain temperature is going to crack, but if you go a little bit higher, it's going to bend. It's like, there's just an, a, like almost an infinite amount of learning that can be done from a failure because of these, all these other things that come into play when that's coming into it. It's, yeah. And, and yeah. another thing I posted, like you, you'll see it on, if you go through my Instagram, you'll see, I posted this thing in this, in this house up here that I'm sitting in, right. Um, the floorboards, they're from the 1700s mm-hmm. and it's hand cut wood, right? It's, I don't know how it was milled, but there have been hundreds of years of footprints wearing down these floorboards. And they're not joined perfectly, right? You would not join them this way if you were a professional floor installer, right? And then there's hand-cut nails that have been sanded down and worn down from, from footprints. They might have been little kids walking on them. They might have been old people walking on them. Who knows? But it's hundreds of years of footprints. And you look at these floorboards and you're like, oh, my God. God, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's the door that when I was a little kid growing up off the kitchen, it's this spun glass that they that they used to make from a hundred years ago or more, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's been here since I was a kid. It's the same glass that's in, and it's got little, they call them seeds, right? The little air bubbles that's in the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the imperfections. Right. The imperfections is what makes the patina on something, right? Yeah. When you see patina on on a piece of copper or something old or, or you know even rusted metal, yeah. The patina on it, it's gorgeous, right? It's the history, yeah. It's it's gorgeous. Like, what is it about the imperfections in that patina that makes it so desirable? And then in ourselves, we seek perfection. We look in the mirror and we see gray hair and we see wrinkles. I do, mm-hmm. and we're like. Wow, we're comparing ourselves to who we were 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, when you look at me, this is patina. It might be extreme, <laughs> extreme patina. <laughs> That's great. But this is patina. But the point is, it's like, you know, let's see that in each other. Let's see the patina in each other and be like, the imperfections are what make us beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? When We don't need to be... It's not about perfection. It's about being, you know, it's about being beautiful. That's it. It's about being kind mm, yep. and, and, and caring and stuff like that. And like, I know for sure I'm not thinking about that when I see any of my friends. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. thinking about what ain't right about them. I'm thinking about what I right. love about them. Right. And that's them not lifting a finger. Right. That's them not doing anything. 
Yeah, that was when we when we talked to Mark Adams uh, on the last podcast. He was that was one of the things that he loved celebrating about people was the things that made them individual, and the, you can tell the things that people worry about. They see themselves and they see these flaws, and then right. he was able he's able to take a, a portrait of them that celebrates all these things. And and he, and you know you might look at that portrait and think, oh, there's that thing I don't like, and someone else right right next to you is like, oh my gosh, that's the best picture I've ever seen of you. Like, look yeah. how awesome you are. Look, this is you. Yeah, this is how yeah. I see you. And it's that like, when I see you, I'm not thinking about any of those things. I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about inside, yeah. right? Who you right. are and how you make me feel when I come. That's, to you. That's, that's Mark's mission in this yep. world. Hmm. And I'll yeah. tell you this, you know, Mark is a good friend of mine, but that's the first time I ever saw myself as handsome hmm. was right. in one of his images. Hmm. That's the first time I ever saw myself and said, Wow, I am, I am, I am good looking. I am yeah, handsome. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah. But I mean, that's really important. Yeah. Because yeah. when you show up in a room with a hundred people or a thousand people, and you feel confident. Yep. That's, that's important, and you show up differently, and that was the gift that Mark gave me. Yeah. And that's 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 him specifically, but like that's the gift that he brings out into the world. And I, I've told Mark, and I've I've said like. You know, you know, why don't we, you know, schedule a little more time for you to go out there and play and make a camp and this and that. He goes, Pat, I can't. He goes, if somebody is there and wants to get a portrait done, I can't miss it. Mm, yeah. He says, I will not miss it. So he will go from when they start lining up to when they yeah. stop lining up. Yeah. And he yeah. will not stop. <laughs> he will yeah. not take a break. He will not do it. I have to, you know, we got to go over there and like feed him drinks and, and food because <laughs> he won't stop. Yeah, because oh, he's done that. He does that at Maker Camp, and he does that everywhere else he goes too. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the gift that he brings. Yeah, it's it's a special place, man. I'm I'm super excited to be coming up. Unfortunately, Devin's going to miss it this year because he's uh, expecting a baby boy oh. any day now. <laughs> any nice, day. congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, coming up this weekend, so but I'll be there. Uh, I know you'll be there, and oh, so many awesome people are going to be there. Um, all right, so let's finish up. Let's uh, let's do some recommendations for our listeners. Devin, do you have a recommendation this week? Yeah, I'll go back to, uh, I'll bookend it with Brooke Robinson's Hall of Fame speech in the 80s. It's okay. really great. Uh, um, it, it it shows you like what a quality person looks and sounds like, like the way he approaches not only the game of baseball, but being a good, kind person. And he, he talks about, he doesn't get too corny, but he talks about like, like Mark and like anyone, like 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 Maker Camp people, you take time with each person, mm-hmm. and he's always and and his thing was like you're not you're not fans, you're friends, and that was his approach, which was so many other players, especially today. I have a million bad stories about baseball players that I've either heard from the production crew that I work with or that I've kind of bumped into, you know, mm-hmm. like in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Um. But he was one of the only guys who came up to the control room and like talked to us and said hello. Mm. Like he didn't have to do that. He's right. he's uh you know he's he does not have to do that. I mean he's in a Norman Rockwell painting. Okay, <laughs> he is a legend. Yeah. Um, but he would even I mean last year he was so old, but he still came up, 
chatted with us, shook hands, say, how you guys doing? And there's just, just a handful of players that ever came up and did that. And he's just mm-hmm. a great man. He's missed. And if you want to watch one of the, the greatest uh, Hall of Fame speeches, look up that one. Nice. Awesome. All right, Patrick, you have a recommendation? Um, yeah, the things I've been listening to a lot lately on YouTube is there's a guy, Joe Dispenza. And uh, he just has a, a great way of kind of breaking down uh, how the brain works, right? Like how um, it, it's kind of about how we kind of basically it's the energy that we're putting out into the world. And again, it's all about coming from the heart and just being authentic right? and putting that heart energy out into the world and how powerful that really is, right? It's, it's measurable now. Like, yeah. you know, they can, they can, they can see the, the energy that that heart felt sentiment is putting out into the world. So, right. but he, he can get technical if you like being technical or he could just be simple. Uh, it's what I've been, I've been listening to a lot of his uh, videos lately and I've just been, breaking through things that have been holding me back mm. again like that worthiness feeling and all that mm. stuff like mm-hmm. once you break through that and you just become who you really are and just become authentic mm. it's extremely powerful right and it's not um, you, you're not trying to impress anybody you just you're bringing who you are and you're bringing your gifts out there into the world so this guy's been helping me to see that nice. awesome right on uh, all right, so so my uh, recommendation this week is actually a hashtag. Um, it's something that I've been using. I've been <laughs> posting my uh, my Maker Camp Maker Swap. So there's going to be a lot of people oh, yeah. that are making cool things that are going to be uh, participating in the Maker Swap. Um, Maker Swap is an awesome thing that was started by um, the guys over at the Working Hands podcast, and just like bringing this opportunity for people to come and put something into the the swap and then get something back that someone else has made so it's just a big like even trade you know you make something cool and you get something cool so if you want to see what people are making at the maker camp um and what people are putting into the maker swap you can follow along with the hashtag maker camp maker swap and if you look at that one you'll see there's 2020 2021 22 23 like there it's been going on for a bunch of years so um, follow along with that just to see what people are making and putting in and it's really cool seeing people's passion like people are super excited and they're talking about it and they're showing their stuff mm. and other people are watching it and like commenting on it so it's a fun build up um, last year I, um, I I put in objects and I got um, Sean uh, sorry Shane Mooney he made a leather koozie and he has like brass and it's stamped like <laughs> 2022 <laughs> And, uh, Shane's and I, my and boy, I watched, man. Shane's my yeah. boy. <laughs> I watched and I watched him make it like for the couple, you know, the week or so or two before I saw him posting little bits about it, and then I got it in the maker swap, and I was like, yes, I was so excited, you know. And that was the excitement it built because I was following along with other. He people is that, so, so Shane is um, Shane. I met him at one of the first maker camps, and he was standing around a fire pit. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And that's how me and Shane connected. We've been... So the Joe Dispenza, he turned me on to Joe Dispenza. Oh, right on. Nice. Yes. Cool. So that's that's the uh, that's the communication that we're always in. Is we, yeah. we learn and, uh, you know, he, he, he shares stuff with me. I share stuff with him. We just keep going deeper. <laughs> but this is, again, this is what Maker Camp's world, all man. about. It's right. like yeah, who right. you stand next to in, in the, uh, around yep. the fire pit. 
Right. It's like, you know, yeah. just engage, just start talking to them, find out about them. And I, I said to Shane, and I'll share this with you guys too, like this maker camp, what I'm focused on mm. is being quiet mm. and learning about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I want to ask more questions and just find out about other people because every single person that you're standing next to in maker camp has an amazing story. Yep. If you just, you know, just ask. Yeah. And they'll share it with you, and, and they'll blow you away with their life story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they're all about. It's not about even about yeah, what they're making. It's about their life right. story. Yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. So that's what this that's what this year is going to be about for me. Nice, sweet man. That's awesome. So, uh, man, I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited to see you and everybody else is going to be up there. And like you said, like everyone's got just a cool story and we see this kind of, we see the crust of people, right? Cause Instagram, you see what they make, you see a little bit behind the scenes, but you know, you want the filling. Yeah, right. Exactly. We want the filling, you know, <laughs> and maker camp gives you that, the, the, the like chance to do that because like you said, we're all hanging out, we're all around. Um, and they're like that community it just grows and grows every year. I meet somebody, somebody new, someone cool that I didn't know before. And I learned some cool thing and then I follow them. And then because I follow them, I follow someone else and follow, it's like, and it's just, a, yeah. it's this growing blossoming, it like a, tessellation of universe. community that keeps going. <laughs> yeah, right. Infinite possibilities. Yeah. And it's <laughs> nice. so easy too, right? There's no, yeah. there's no challenge to it. It's just, that's, that's the yeah. thing to learn and take away is like life can be that easy. Yeah. Like if everybody just, just be authentic, right? And, yep. and be nice. Yep. Absolutely. And the rest will figure out. You be nice. <laughs> be nice. You be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, on that would, note, uh, thank guys, you so make much, sure. Guys. I appreciate ab- it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank make you. sure you, thank you follow along with Patrick. Um, you can find him at Reno, R-E-Y-N-O, Patrick. On Instagram, um, you guys can follow along and see what Devin and I are doing uh, at The Art of Craftsmanship and at The Art of Camera Guy and head over to YouTube and check our stuff out there. Um, like, comment, subscribe, because all those things matter and it really helps to build the community, which is what this is all about, right? So the more we interact with people, the better, the more fun it is for us and the more fun it is for everybody else and we're just like building that community. So uh, let's all do it together. All right. On that note, Patrick, thank you so much, man. Uh, Yeah, I got a big smile on my face if you can't see it. (laughs) I really enjoyed this. It was so much fun. This was appreciate it. It was great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, everybody, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will talk to you all next time.